The Boston Red Sox are among the more storied franchises in all of professional sports. The mere mention of the name conjures up images of historic Fenway Park and its infamous Green Monster, as well as stories like the now-defunct Curse of the Bambino. There's part of the story, however, that isn't quite as well known. It could have been Buffalo. The story goes like this. In 1894, the Western League, a new minor league, was started under the leadership of Ban Johnson. Now, that name might be recognizable to some of you more dedicated baseball historians because Johnson served as American League Baseball Commissioner from 1899 to 1927. Johnson created a more family-oriented environment at baseball games, entertainment without the violence and objectionable language present at the time in the National League. Before long, his Western League was recognized as the best minors in all of baseball. Now, between 1879 and 1885, Buffalo had had a team in the major leagues named the Bisons, a name which our city has applied to a variety of franchises. For the majority of their six-year existence, they played their games at Riverside Park. However, after a poor season, Owners sold the franchise to Detroit. Six years later, another Buffalo Bisons team emerged, this time as a minor league team playing in the Eastern Association. The principal owner of this new Bisons franchise was Jim Franklin, a Buffalo alderman who also owned a meat market on Niagara Street. According to the Buffalo Baseball Hall of Fame, which inducted Franklin in 1988, quote, The English-born Franklin was colorful, flamboyant, and controversial, adding that he often sat on the bench to assist his manager. The Bisons played in the Eastern Association through 1898, but Franklin had become concerned about the league's future. The following year, he decided to move the team to Ban Johnson's Western League, Johnson himself was pleased with securing the new franchise. It's important to remember that at this time, Buffalo was a major U.S. city, the eighth largest in fact, with a population north of 350,000 people. To put things in perspective, the eighth largest city today is San Diego, which ranks just above Dallas. In the Bisons' first two seasons in the Western League, they finished in seventh place out of eight teams in both 1899 and 1900. Though on the bright side, each season did begin with no hitters on opening day. Despite the two nearly last place finishes, Franklin was optimistic as the 1900 baseball season ended, knowing that Johnson was planning on breaking away from the minor league system to become an independent eight-team major league and go head-to-head with the well-established National League. Franklin was excited that his beloved hometown of Buffalo would soon be part of Major League Baseball once again. He paid the $500 franchise fee, ensuring Buffalo's place in the new American League. 
In the fall of 1900, as Jonathan positioned the American League, his power was enormous. He moved franchises, made schedules, and signed players. He dropped the Minneapolis, Indianapolis, and Kansas City organizations and replaced them with Philadelphia, Baltimore, and Washington. In addition, unbeknownst to Franklin, Johnson was holding secret meetings in Boston regarding a potential franchise there. He believed that a team there would earn respect for his new league, helping to legitimize it and compete against the National League. Throughout these secret talks, Johnson continued to give assurances that, quote, Buffalo was in and not to worry. Despite the assurances, Franklin was uneasy. He kept hearing rumors that Buffalo might be dropped from the American League, so he took matters into his own hands. In November, he made a trip to the American League baseball headquarters in Chicago and met face-to-face with Ban Johnson. During the meeting, Franklin laid out all the benefits of a franchise in Buffalo, including the value of the upcoming Pan American Exposition. With the Bison's Olympic Park just a mile south of the fairgrounds, the opportunity to draw massive crowds to the ball games seemed too good to pass up. Following the meeting, the Buffalo Evening News reported, quote, it now seems that Franklin's wishes may be respected and that the Bisons will make the eighth club in the circuit. It seems, however, that Franklin was not the only person to be having private chats with Johnson. In January of 1901, Johnson also met with Charles Summers, then owner of the Cleveland Indians and founding member of the American League. In addition to owning the Cleveland club, Summers had helped establish teams in Chicago and Philadelphia and was an important financial backer to Johnson. In their meeting, Summers expressed to Johnson his desire to finance the Boston franchise, despite the fact that there was, at the time, no park in which the proposed team could actually even play. On January 14th, Chicago's Times-Herald reported that, quote, Ban Johnson announced that the American League may be made up of 10 clubs instead of eight. Johnson added, We have not completed our plans yet, but I am ready to state that under certain conditions, I favor a 10-club circuit. We already have nine. Buffalo was part of that group of nine. Two days later, Johnson told the Boston Globe, quote, Boston is a good city. It's only a question of time, and unless our plans fail, we will have a club there this season. The following day, legendary baseball manager Connie Mack signed a lease for land on Huntington Avenue to build a home stadium for the new Boston franchise. With this new development, Buffalo's place in the American League became tenuous at best, unless Johnson went to a 10-team league, which many baseball people felt wasn't feasible. Just days later on January 20th, papers reported that, quote, it's pretty definitely settled that Boston will take Buffalo's place in the league. It was also reported 
that Buffalo owner Franklin would be compensated for dispensing his team to Boston with stock in the Boston franchise. Summers and Johnson approved plans for the placement of the diamond and the grandstands for the Huntington Grounds ballpark on January 23rd, and were assured that the stadium would be ready by the start of the season in April. Franklin would later surmise that Johnson kept reassuring him of Buffalo's place in the league because he didn't know for sure if he could get the right ownership and secure a ballpark in time for Boston. So Buffalo became the contingency plan. On January 28, 1901, Ben Johnson sent out an official announcement formally organizing the American League and its eight teams, not 10. The new league featured the Baltimore Orioles, the Chicago White Stockings, Cleveland Blues, Detroit Tigers, Milwaukee Brewers, Philadelphia Athletics, Washington Nationals, and the Boston Americans. Buffalo's promised franchise was now in Boston. The city's hopes for a big league franchise were dashed, and Jim Franklin was left feeling shocked and double-crossed. The day that the official announcement was made, Franklin attended the American League owners meeting in Chicago, despite not being an owner and not being invited. The Buffalo Morning Express reported that, quote, Franklin was the sorest man in Chicago tonight when he was definitely informed that Buffalo had been dropped from the circuit of the AL. Franklin rejected an ownership stake in the Boston franchise and his Buffalo franchise entrance fee of $500 was returned to him. Boston also offered to buy the Buffalo players, but Franklin rejected that offer as well, hoping to keep the team together in whatever league they ended up playing in for the upcoming season. Only one player, Bison's catcher Ossie Schrankengost, made the move to Boston to play for the Americans in 1901. When the season began, the Bisons found themselves again in the Eastern Association. Only now they had changed their names to the Pan Ams in honor of the Pan American Exposition. And by the end of the year, they were again at the bottom of the standings. Jim Franklin became distraught with the team's bad fortune and on losing out on the chance to bring a major league team to his beloved Buffalo. On Monday, November 18th, Franklin headed to Crowley's parlor on, as fate would have it, Franklin Street. There, he suffered a heart attack and passed away at the age of 53, and Buffalo's flirtation with Major League Baseball sadly ended. In one of the first big player moves by the new Boston Americans, the team signed star third baseman Jimmy Collins away from the National League's Boston Bean Eaters in March 1901. He came to the Americans as not only their starting third baseman, but also captain and manager. Collins was a local product. Born in Niagara Falls, New York in 1870, his family moved to Buffalo in 1872, where his father served as a police officer for over 30 years. He grew up in South Buffalo and, when his baseball career ended, returned to the city in 1914, living in his old neighborhood for the remainder of his life. Collins was considered the greatest third baseman of his era and was the first third baseman elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. He was enshrined in 1945. 
1903, the Boston Americans were the best team in the American League by a long shot and won the pennant by 14 and a half games. That year, they played the National League champion, Pittsburgh Pirates, led by Honus Wagner in the first ever World Series. In an exciting and tight series, the Americans beat the Pirates five games to three and were crowned the first World Series champs. Another star player on Boston's roster that season was pitcher Cy Young, for whom the award for best pitcher in baseball would later be named. In 1907, the Boston Americans were renamed the Boston Red Sox. Until 1919, they were the most successful team in all of baseball. And over that 12-year span, the club won five World Series championships, first in 1903, and again in 1912, 1914, 1915, and finally once more in 1918. Now, while no one can say with any certainty that a major league Buffalo franchise would have enjoyed the same success or enjoyed such a storied history as the Red Sox, Ban Johnson's double cross ensured that we would never know. In 2020, in a most unusual way, the American League came to Buffalo 119 years later by way of the Toronto Blue Jays. With the U.S.-Canadian border closed, the Blue Jays, Canada's only Major League Baseball team, had to find a home in the U.S. for the season. After significant searching, they settled on Buffalo. In 2020, Buffalo played host to the Blue Jays for 26, quote, home games on its 60-game schedule. The decision seemed to pay off for the club as well as they posted a 17-9 record, the second-best home record in the American League. They also scored the second-most runs at home of any team in baseball. Their success at Salem Field spurred the team to a playoff berth, the team's first in four years. Toronto clinched the berth on September 24th at Salem Field with a 4-1 victory over the Yankees. Buffalo's ballpark provided the team, quote, a clear advantage throughout the 2020 abbreviated season, according to Gregor Chisholm of the Toronto Star. Blue Jays manager, Charlie Montoyo, added, quote, we made it our home and we played good here. It was a great time here. The Blue Jays in Buffalo was a great advertisement for Buffalo as a major league city, even without fans. It's a cruel irony that when Buffalo finally had a major league baseball team, no fans could be there to watch. Because of the resounding success of 2020, however, the Blue Jays will return to Salem Field in June of 2021, and fans will, at long last, experience Major League Baseball in Buffalo. The Buffalo History Museum receives operating support from Erie County, the City of Buffalo, New York State Council on the Arts, with the support of Governor Andrew M. Cuomo and the New York State Legislature. Additional support is provided by MT Bank and from our donors, members, and friends. Today's story was researched and written by sports historian Greg Tranter and produced with the support of our staff. Greg's recent book, Makers, Moments, and Memorabilia, is available for purchase at the Buffalo History Museum shop, as well as other select retailers. My name's Anthony Greco, and we'll be back in two weeks with another tale from Western New York history. So until then, take care.